Welcome in to a special edition of Can We Just Talk, the podcast. Um, we had to call a special edition for this show just because of the recent events that have been taking place um, with the chaos in the Capitol, um, the storming of the Capitol building um, coming on January 6th. Uh, we, we figured it was such a big event. We needed to talk about it. We couldn't wait until our normal episode that usually airs on Saturday. Um, we did not want to take up the entire episode um, with with talk all about this. So we figured the best option would be to come to you to make a special edition of this episode and to give you a recount of exactly what happened on January 6th is what to tell you what we think this means for the future of this country. So joining me today is Joey Block, former news director from WRSU. Chris Sikonis and Jacob Berg, both two regulars on Can We Just Talk, also making an appearance tonight. Um, and we are very excited to have this opportunity to kind of recount exactly what happened I'm also on a positive note, Joey Block making his Polar Media debut. Um, we're hoping to get a lot more coverage coming from him in the near future. But we figured again, like I said, to give this special edition, to give a closer look to exactly what happened. Um, and guys, thank you so much for, for joining us tonight as we kind of dive into this here. Um, as I said, chaos in the Capitol, storming of the Capitol building, um, coming when you know Congress, the Senate, were meeting to confirm the Electoral College vote um, the count to confirm the presidential victory for, for President-elect Joe Biden. Um, in the middle of this, uh, around 1 p.m. yesterday, uh, chaos broke loose. Um, protesters who had been gathering outside of the Capitol building um, in preparation for this had made their way inside the building um, in a very chaotic scene. Um, I won't go too far into this other than saying there has now been reported five deaths that have come from these events, maybe not directly tied to what has happened, there's two directly tied to what has happened now, but five total deaths from the events that have taken place on January 6th outside and inside the Capitol building. I'll kind of jump right in, Joey. You know, I'd love to give you, see if you can give us a quick recap of kind of what happened maybe leading up and to the start of this entire thing. And then Chris, I can let you kind of take it from, from there. Um, so Joey, I'll, I'll throw it over to you if you want to bring us in here. Sure, Troy. And thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be making my debut and I hope to be <laughs> doing a lot more stuff with you guys. So this is pretty much what happened. It started off with everyone knew about the Stop the Steal rally that was happening at 11 a.m. in um, in Washington, where the president was rallying his supporters, saying, we're going to change the election. Um, I won. Joe Biden didn't. And it really, I would have to say from an objective point of view that it the president has a lot of big rallies, right? And he says a lot of things, but I think this was the most non-scripted rally that you could find with the president of the United States. I mean, he's used a lot of profanities throughout the, the rally. He called former Georgia gubernatorial Stacey Abrams um, completely overweight. She weighs over 130 pounds more than she should, um, which... Uh, if you list, listen to him four years ago, you may say, well, that's not really new, but he hasn't really done that so much in a while. But now he kind of went back to that, railing about even as far things as Oprah saying, oh, I was on one of her final shows. We used to get along, but ever since I ran for president, she doesn't really like me anymore. And really just going off and saying all these things that a lot of really didn't make much sense and really did weren't cohesive and pretty much going off of this view that he believes he actually won the election. Now, some people have said, oh, he 
you know, he doesn't really believe this. He's just saying that. Well, if you really look at what the president consumes now, he actually does believe this quite frankly because he watches Newsmax. He, well, Fox is now the modern voice of what he does. He doesn't really like Fox News anymore. And oh, and all these conservative news outlets that are saying, yeah, the president was rigged and showing all these doctored videos of um, election rigging ballot being stuffed in ballot boxes and machines being messed with and all these conspiracies that really been leading up to the last couple of months we've been seeing a lot of lawsuits um especially some strange ones from the president's personal attorney rudy giuliani who as you all may recall at one point had sweat coming down he was sweating so much during one of these press conferences that his hair dye kind of went down there which is like it was not a good look for him and then Sidney Powell was one of the attorneys who had to lead the case because she ranted so many conspiracies, quite frankly, that it was even out of the realm of the Trump campaigns um, tolerating it. But anyways, a little off that side note. So he went rallies for you saying, oh, I'm going to join you down at the Capitol. Now, some people might say that was a little of a hyperbole, but some people might say, oh, he was telling his supporters to go down there. So there was supposed to be a march. I was going to go down there. And... You know, I don't think people really expected it to be all of much, considering um, at this point, Congress is doing a formal procedure of certifying vote, which doesn't really get much. It's not really something you normally would see as controversial or anything that would be contested, because even like up to the Electoral College you, back in the 1800s, there may have been some switching of stuff like that. But at this point, you don't really see anything like uh, that different from the popular vote of each state like for example ohio picked donald trump you're not going to see it just magically flip for joe biden anymore that just doesn't happen well, despite the president trying and trying and trying again to make this happen multiple times multiple lawsuits in multiple states and he tried to go to the supreme court they threw it out oh and that was another thing he also went against he also criticized his own supreme court uh justices that he in fact appointed and nominated to the court, including Brett Kavanaugh in particular, saying, oh, I defended them against these lies when he never said Brett Kavanaugh by name. But Brett Kavanaugh, if you may recall, was very controversial because he was someone who was accused of sexually assaulting women. And a lot of people said that um, one of the accusers was confused and didn't really know. And other people were saying that was so in criticizing the woman. But anyways, in Kavanaugh claimed to be, and as far as we know, is a devout Catholic, and it just, the president stood by him, said, this is the guy, we're not taking him out, because as you know, there were a lot of times where this has happened, it's called Borking now, on the Senate floor, where Robert Bork, under Ronald Reagan, was so controversial, they they called off the nomination, they withdrew it, or people had to push back, but it's time. But anyways, going back to where we are now. Now, the president was saying, okay, we're going down there. Let's let's go rally them. So, of course, the supporters go down there. The president does not. He goes back to the White House um, to watch this all unfold. And, of course, the violence just built up from there. It was just protests originally, but really was the straw on the camel's back was when the vice president came out. He put out a tweet with this letter about two pages or so long saying, I don't have the authority to 
determine the certification or not to. I can't reject or accept the results. It's not my role. I'm just the presider, which is true. It's not him. It's a member of Congress. And at that point, his supporters just were enraged. They got angry. They started approaching the Capitol. And more than the Capitol police were prepared for, which there's a lot of criticism as well. And they just started storming it, managed to get inside while the senators and the congressmen and women were debating the results. I believe Arizona was the state that the Senate was on and Ted Cruz was speaking on the Senate floor when this all went to happen. And it all, it all just really went downhill fast from there. I'm sure Chris can attest to that. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty rapid uh, destabilization. I mean, in the morning, uh, the story was, um, you know, President supporters had uh, come to Washington to protest what they felt was, um, you know, a stolen election, which, you know, any reputable source will tell you that there's no evidence to support that. But, um, you know, there's a lot of alternative uh, media outlets, Newsmax, One America, you know, those types of outlets uh, peddling that and a lot of people buy into it. Um, and I think that the media aspect in how we got here is a pretty interesting topic, but I'm going to, I'm going to save that for later. Um, but it pre pretty rapidly escalated from, you know, in the morning, the news was, oh, they're going to come and protest a little bit. Um, you know, it'd be more like a rally. I think it was branded as a rally. The president had posted something on his social media about it encouraging people to come out. And then, uh, in the early afternoon, it, quickly, a few people decided to storm uh, the Capitol and then, uh, you know, the crowd followed in behind them and. Uh, we all sort of know what happened from there. Uh, protesters were sitting in the speaker's chair in the House chamber, uh, sitting in Pelosi's office, um, ransacking offices, stealing podiums, stealing property. Like it was just, it, it was, it was a mess. Um, and it just sort of goes to show uh, how quickly things can uh, deteriorate in such an emotionally charged situation. Um, and the other thing that really stuck out to me, and then I'll uh, throw it back to you guys is um, the fact that the um, the Capitol Police, uh, and to a lesser extent, the DC police, who were, I believe, were uh, there in some sort of role initially, uh, were not prepared for riot control at all. Uh, most of them were barely armed, if at all. Um, they were out heavily outnumbered. Um, it was really shocking just, you know, as a, an outside observer to see how unprepared they were for the possibility of something like this happening. Uh, when we knew that there was a danger that extremists would be, you know, near the Capitol building and some with active harm, uh, intent to harm. Uh, so it was a pretty dangerous moment, pretty dangerous day on Capitol Hill. Yeah. And Chris, you know, the, the people who, who had entered the Capitol building, um, it was a bit of a, um, mish, a mishmash of, of who was actually there. Um, members from the conspiracy group QAnon, um, members from the group um, the Proud Boys, as well as far-right social media influencers, which just sounds really strange to say, um, but all there with the same idea that they felt that they had been cheated out of this election. They felt that the government was doing whatever they wanted to do and disregarding what, what they felt was true. I mean, Joey, you know, it's interesting. You kind of said this. Um, President Trump honestly feels, honestly believes that he was stolen, this election was stolen from him. You know, the scary thing is, so did all these people that were in the Capitol building. These people were angry, they were disturbed, they were violent for the reasons that were, they truthfully felt that they had been stolen, this election had been stolen from them. Um, and because of that, that's, 
that's the type of emotions we were seeing. We, we saw the hatred, we saw the anger um, from these thousands of people um, that were protesting yesterday. And like I said, from the group, from the Proud Boys, from, from the QAnon conspiracists, um, it was it was terrifying to see the ways people were coming in here. And it was, you know, some haunting images that will, you know, be circulating for, for years to come um, with people marching with Confederate flags inside the Capitol building. Unthinkable to think of, you know, now in, in the time we're living in, um, that this is still happening. But Jacob, I'd love to kind of get your thoughts um, you know, following this and we'll, uh, in a little bit, we'll talk more about, you know, when things resumed, um, when things, when action resumed inside of the Capitol building, um, and what had happened after they had finally confirmed the electoral college votes. All right. Thank you, Troy. Uh, I did have just a couple of things to add on and I want to thank, you know, Joey and Chris for coming on, giving a, a great, um, a great rundown for us. Uh, definitely, definitely appreciate that. Um, one thing I just wanted to add, I know we've probably all seen the clips, but I believe it was at the morning at that rally. There were a lot of, um, you know, different phrases that people like Trump, uh, Rudy Giuliani, um, uh, Donald Trump Jr. Like things that they were saying that definitely seemed to be towing the line and kind of pointing their supporters towards like acts of rebellion by by saying you know we're gonna go we're gonna take them by force we're gonna be strong like think things along those lines that you know you could clearly see as you know trying to incite their base and, and it, it's it's intriguing to say this now seeing what we've seen at previous rallies um but i think you know this goes to show that you know things that are said that are meant to be insightful should should really be taken seriously um, I also wanted to add that I, I agree with Joey's point uh, on like the electoral college vote usually isn't a big deal, um, especially because, you know, unfaithful electors aren't quite as common or electors that go against their state's popular vote or however their state is set up to do it. Um, but uh, actually not all states have laws in place to protect against unfaithful electors. So. You know, if you if you live in a state where where those are where you don't have those laws in place, maybe uh, maybe think about doing something because that's that's kind of a crazy thing. Um, also, wanted to add uh, one or two more things real quick. Um, I believe uh, we were just discussing before the the death count has now risen to five. Um, I believe if uh, you know we had one of the uh, protesters or rioters that was killed. Um, by uh, police forces or uh, defense forces there. We had three uh, that are being reported as kind of, um, you know, deaths in the vicinity, but probably, but may not be like directly due to, you know, somebody else harming them. Um, and I believe right before we started, there was a reported death of a, uh, a police officer. Um, so, you know, rest in peace, obviously, to all those people who are injured. Um, definitely a sad, sad uh, sight to see that. Uh, and the, the last point I had is I was just reading an article. I believe they found uh, multiple bombs inside the area uh, near the both the DNC and RNC areas in that building. So, you know, beyond just protesting and getting in and, you know, making a scene, there was, you know, lives taken and there was, you know, an attempt to take, to take more. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was fascinating to see 
um, once politics had resumed in the day, um, what the actions had led to. And going into this, I mean, the entire process um, and the reason everyone was at the Capitol building, it was a date marked on a lot of politicians' calendar, a lot of senators, Congress uh, men and women, um, was for the purpose they had to confirm the Electoral College vote. Um, and going into it, there were several Republican senators and representatives saying they were going to contest um, for certain states um, that had, had turned in, in favor of the Democratic um, Party coming election. Some of those states include Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and some others as well. Um, and as things were interrupted, they were interrupted during when they were discussing whether or not they should object to Arizona's counting. Um, going into it, I believe there was around 11, 10, 11 senators um, who were looking to object to um, counting these electoral votes um, because for some reason they may think that there was, you know, maybe some mistruth of what of how these were counted. And they, they believe that President Trump was being slighted in the process. Um, after the events, certain senators had held on to their positions and certain senators had actually switched. Um, you know, I think some of the surprising ones as you watch the live coverage last night, um, longtime Trump supporter and Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, he'd actually switched his stance um, and switched his decision to actually not contest these states. Um, he even talked about, you know, he didn't want Biden to be president. Um, he had stood with, with Donald Trump throughout his four years. He had stood with him throughout the election process and he even stood with him um, leading up to the events that took place when the Capitol building was stormed. But to kind of sum up what he said, enough is enough. You know, it was time to, to move on and to get over it and to understand what is happening. I mean, to understand that it's time to move on. Uh, Mitch McConnell also giving some, you know, powerful words um, when they had resumed this discussion um, around 9 p.m. last night. Mitch McConnell pretty much saying the same things. Uh, you know, this is not what we stand for. This is not how we conduct our democracy. It is time to understand that there is no evidence and there is no reason to believe that this election was fraudulent. Um, we have done what we needed to do to investigate whether or not we believe this and from our investigations and what has taken place inside the court, we have received no evidence saying that we should actually be looking at this. And it's interesting, maybe one of you guys can give me an idea about when this has last happened, but what was taking place yesterday, what they were talking about does not happen very often. Um, contesting the electoral college votes, that's not a normal occurrence. In 2016, in 2012, in 2008, you know, the last elections, yes, it's something that can happen, but it's something that very rarely does happen if someone actually objects to counting um, these votes. And I, I saw an interesting video um, yesterday in 2016 when someone had proposed this idea and uh, Joe Biden was serving still as the president of uh, the Senate since he was in his vice presidential role. Um, and he dismissed this saying, no, this is not something we can do. This doesn't happen very often. And the fact that there were this many senators trying to propose this idea, it was kind of disturbing. And Mitch McConnell had reeled in that idea saying, we cannot do this. This is not something we are supposed to do. We are here to open the votes, to count the votes, and report the votes. Um, but some senators did not believe this was the was the right idea. Um, Ted Cruz, he had given he's he's spewed his information for weeks leading up to this throughout the presidential election that he believes that there was fraudulence involved. Uh, another one, Josh Hawley um, from Missouri. There's a, a photo of him walking into the Capitol building before this had all happened with a fist raised, um, pretty much saying, you know. Let's kick some ass today when we do this. Hours later, we saw what happened. Um, There's a lot of demand for him 
to step down for for the fact that there's blood on his hands as well as President Trump's hands. And him himself and, and Ted Cruz um, went late into the night last night because they were still standing by what they said. Interestingly enough, um, Josh Hawley, he had sent out a very ill-timed fundraising event. At the exact same time of, of what was happening, a fundraiser was sent out for his campaign um, while these events were taking place. So it's it's disturbing to say the least that still senators after had all that happened and still members of the House of Representatives after all that had happened were still standing by the idea that they believe fraudulence was is around. And I think before I turn it back to, to someone someone else, I think the most disturbing fact was, was Ted Cruz saying 39% of Americans still believe that there was fraudulence involved in this election. And the question is, that may be true, but why is there fraudulence believed in this election? It's because this misinformation and these lies are being spewed into American media and American news um, by these Republican leaders, by the president of the United States himself, throwing the ideas that fraudulence is taking place. So why would it be surprising to hear that 39% of Americans believe that there is fraudulence involved? It's not surprising when the president of the United States is saying this before. It's an unprecedented thing to have the president of the United States to conduct himself in this way. It's not surprising to see this many people saying this. Um, I'll kind of open it up, Joey, to kind of get your thoughts on what this may mean for the United States. And if I missed any key points. So, Troy, I want to start. I don't mean to fact check you on your own show, but it was actually 13 senators going into this. Um, were saying that they were going to contest. And then obviously the number went down from there. But I think the remarkable thing is that there still were senators who objected at the end of the day. And it just goes to show you how much power Trump still wields over the Republican Party, even after all. Someone says, well, this is going to be the thing that all the Republicans are just going to run away from. Well, that's not true. I've always been someone who has cautioned against that being the president's still going to be around. He's still going to be doing something. He's still going to be endorsing candidates, campaigning, rallying, making his voice heard on Twitter. Well, we'll see how long that goes. Um, and more or less, you're going to see the president in action because think about it. There's, these senators, that most of them who have objected, have two reasons for that. And they're both political reasons. One, they have, they're up for re-election in 2022. And if they defy the president, they may be primaried with someone who's farther to the right, who's more uh, into Trump, and his supporters will go out and support them, their opponent, and that senator, they won't be a senator anymore. And that most of them don't want that. Then you got to look at the other one. When you mentioned Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz, they both have presidential ambitions. This is not really a secret. It's, it's more of an open secret, if anything, because they haven't, quote unquote, admitted to it. But more or less, Josh Hawley is he's a younger guy in the party and he wants to make his voice heard. And he's going to he wants Trump's endorsement, more or less. And Cruz, he is very conservative, to say the least, although I don't know if contesting an election would be called conservative. I don't think that can necessarily be associated as liberal, conservative, progressive, however you want to call it. But it's Trumpian and Trump is still controlling the party. I haven't seen the um, the most recent polling based ever since that this whole capital incident has occurred. But I still say that the president will have a hold on a significant part of the party. I still think 
he's well above 50% approval in the Republican Party, if I had to guess. Of course, that's just a guess. But yeah, more or less. And you also mentioned the whole point about the last time this happened on the floor, as well as objections in general. The last one that comes to mind for me is in 2004, when Barbara Boxer, Democratic senator from California, along with another member of the House of Representatives, contested the results from Ohio, because Ohio, there were some concerns that there was voter suppression. And I think a lot of the rhetoric the Bush campaign was using at that time was to kind of go off this anti-gay, homophobic culture that was still out there in America in 2004, because that Ohio's really brought in that election for the Bush campaign. So I think a lot of that really is what generated that objection. But again, it was not anything like this. It was one person that was for that reason. Well, this was not for a reason of principle based on what I can I think there were some people that had principle, but a lot of it was more or less a political reason, like the president's going to get us. He's going to be mad at us if we don't. He's going to rant about us on Twitter. I mean, look at Kelly Loeffler. She, the reason why you saw the switch there, I should point out to the audience that there was the general special runoff election in Georgia for the Senate seats that now the Democrats hold and now they will have a majority, narrow one and a de facto one, but a majority nonetheless. She came out the night before when the president went down to Georgia, again, ranting about his call with Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, basically trying to get him to change the Georgia election results um, hours before the, you know, not even hours before. It was just over at this point, trying to get him to change the votes. Um, Say, oh, you need to find me over 11,000 votes, which would have been up and over the top. Of course, he didn't do that. And at this rally, Loeffler said, yes, I am going to back the president and object to the election results in Georgia. And she was supposed to be the, the sole senator to get on board that and to have that objection happen. Now, this was all before the Capitol erect, the, um, the Capitol takeover, I guess is the better word for it. Once that happened, she changed her mind quite quickly for two reasons. One, that event. But two, she's not beholden to Trump anymore. She's not beholden to him at all. She lost. Like, it's over for her. And I don't think she has any bigger political ambitions. So her strategy, ignore the president. And we're going to have to wait and see how that plays out. But I think that's what's going on right now. That's why Lindsey Graham said, oh, no, I'm I'm done. Because I think he's trying to make the calculation of, okay, I think I need to distance myself from the president. But there's still many Republicans who are going to say, I'm with this guy. And then there's the question of whether the Trump supporters stay with the Republican Party, because as was mentioned before, there were bombs um, sent to the DNC and the RNC parts of the Capitol. And which would seem strange. It's like you think they would like the RNC. But I think a lot of people think the RNC didn't do enough for them or enough for Trump to get him over the finish line at least that's what they're saying and there's a rumor out there i'm seeing online a lot of people who are trump supporters want to leave the party because they didn't do enough for trump and that the fact that they 
certified this vote was the it was the last straw for these people, especially the vice president. I don't know if a lot of Trump supporters out there are going to really be thrilled with him. Again, I think that's a matter of waiting for polling to see how this is. These are all just predictions at this point. Yeah, Joey, and I just want to, you know, build off of what you said in terms of the political consequences of this. Um, senators like Hawley and Cruz, um, they're really looking towards the future in the case of Hawley, especially uh, towards running for the White House in 2024, which, you know, say whatever you will about that. He's considered a quote unquote rising star in the party. Um, there is a sizable um, contingent uh, that really feeds into these alternative uh, news sources. I mean, I would go so far to call them fake news sources. Um, and, you know, they live in a reality where the election was stolen. Um, these voting machines are hiding uh, hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands, however many uh, Trump votes and that the election was stolen and um, all, all, all this all this crazy stuff. And it's not going away. Uh, if anything, I would expect the number, percentage of people, not just in the Republican Party, but just in the general public uh, to believe in all of this stuff to go up over the next four years, not down. Um, and it really goes back to social media, the way social media is constructed. Um, if you look at, if you took two data sets, you took the data set that correlated with, you know, percentage of Americans who have a smartphone uh, and use social media and the percentage of Americans, uh, or I should say rather, uh, the degree of polarization between the two parties, between left and right, um, you'd see a pretty close correlation um, around, the, around the late 2000s. And there were other factors to that too, the financial crisis, the recession, um, you know, there was some racial animus behind Obama getting elected, but there's a pretty close correlation. And I think there's some causation to, um, you know, social media has algorithms that aren't really designed to preserve democracy. They're designed to get you to click on more stuff and stay on uh, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever it is. Uh, those algorithms, you know, not exactly intentionally, but um, they're still designed in a way where if you're say, say you're a down the road Republican, you click on a a Fox News video, well, in your suggestions, you're gonna see Newsmax, you're gonna see One America, you're gonna see, in some cases, Alex Jones, you're gonna see all these different uh, sources. And, you know, a lot of people are gonna slowly fall into that rabbit hole and it's gonna end up with them, um, you know, believing that the election was rigged without any actual evidence. Um, so social media has really damaged, I think, the nature of our politics. And it's not exclusively a Republican phenomenon, both sides have moved away from the middle in the last 20 years, but it's not something that's going away. Um, you know, there's talk about regulating social media and I think that would help, but really the time to discuss what this means for our democracy was 15 years ago when, uh, you know, you could have kept Pandora from getting out of the box, but Pandora is out of the box. Um, and I think politically we're gonna be reckoning with that for a really long time. And what that means for politics, and Joey, you kind of said it, um, the idea of Trumpian, you know, the, the, it's almost a growing feeling that there's going to be a third party soon. There's going to be the party, the Trump party, or whatever it may be called. Um, with this growing dissettlement now of people who will align themselves with the Republican Party and now find themselves unhappy with the Republican Party and more aligned with anything Trump may say. Um, and it's so fascinating because this is such a wide range of people who are now finding themselves. As I said, the people who were inside the Capitol building yesterday are obviously seen as the extremists from these groups. But these are people that are falling in from um, places like the QAnon conspiracies and the Proud Boys. And the thing you have to understand is 
people from the QAnon conspiracies and, and, and align themselves with those groups, they have a lot of animosity geared towards the Republican Party as well. It's not just towards the Democratic Party. Um, and now you're seeing a further split. Um, the split that was usually the Republican and Trump divided against the Democratic Party. And now we're seeing it be divided against the Republican Party. And now, like we said, it seems that there's a growing idea that there's going to be a Trump party or whatever it may be. Not to say that it has to be Trump running that. But as you said, there were political motives behind what people were doing yesterday um, inside the Senate, such as Hawley, such as Ted Cruz, where there's 70 million plus people who are willing to vote for someone like Donald Trump because of what he stood for and what he believed and how he acted and how he handled this country. There's a lot of voters out there that these people could get come election season 2024, come election season 2028. They understand that. And it's sad because it is political motives. The idea of I want to be in power. I want to have that responsibility of being the president of the United States. And this is seen as a venue to get to that point. And that's why we see senators standing by whatever Trump says. And I think you're, it was interesting hearing what the senator from Georgia did by completely switching her opinion because her political, you know, her political track was completely thrown off because she lost her seat in the Senate. Um, and because these people are still feeling the pressure that they understand that there's 70 million voters out there that could be theirs if they align with what Trump is saying, they are doing whatever they want to stay in that political alignment with those people. And I think we're going to start to see a more and more split. And Chris, like you said, social media has not helped. If you want a great podcast to listen to, other than what we're talking about right now on Can We Just Talk, um, the podcast, The Rabbit Hole by The New York Times, does a great job of explaining how these algorithms work, how they divide people even more, and how if you start watching one side, that's really all you're going to watch if you're on one social media site or whether it be YouTube. And it's it's unprecedented and it's it's reaping the benefits now because we are seeing the, the biggest divide in this country um, in a very, very long time. And it, it doesn't seem to be getting any better. Um, and because of that, we saw what happened yesterday. I, uh, I just want to add in, I really liked uh, you guys' discussion of the kind of the split now coming up in the Republican Party, I thought. You know, we may have seen, you know, almost a parallel, definitely not the exact same situation, but, you know, something along those lines in the Democratic primary, you know, when we had people that were strongly uh, for Bernie Sanders um, and there was, you know, similar threats, similar thoughts, I think, from, you know, most Americans or most uh, Democratic supporters like, you know, are we going to be able to hold our party together? Are we going to be able to come to a, you know, a candidate that we agree on without saying, you know, if if, you know, if Biden wins the the nomination, then people who support Bernie will just go off and write him in on the ballot. Uh, I think that was definitely a worry uh, for a lot of people inside uh, the Democratic Party. So could be interesting to see some parallels there. Jacob, you know, I actually agree with you on that. I think it's important to note there's. This is a weird time in political history that there is a split in both parties. And it's going to be interesting to see over the next four years which party it damages the most. Now, before all this started, I probably would have said the Democrats because a lot of people aren't talking about this. this Democrats, for most part of history, have been united on everything no, no matter what. Even if there are different, you know, the, the moderates, the conservatives, the, the liberals, and more of the socialists far left that you're starting to see from Bernie Sanders 
you this, this group all kind of you know they all got along but now it's seems like the party there is a part of it that's going so far to the left bernie sanders aoc that it's dividing between people like joe biden who more of a moderate uh democrat you, you know not necessarily they weren't he wasn't necessarily a guy who was like for abortion all the way pro-choice he's a catholic so he may have been from a legislative perspective but in terms of his own personal view he probably would be saying more pro-choice i'd have to look exactly at things he's said in the past based on what i know about joe biden and whether he said it public or not that's probably what it would be now for these for more progressive democrats that's not really an acceptable thing in the 90s it was but now it's like well, if you're not pro-choice, then um, yeah, you're not. You don't really care. You're not a progressive. Um, well, if you don't want, um, you know, Medicare for all, you you should be out of the party. Done. Like putting this litmus test in place. And the Republicans are the same way. If you're pro-light, that's great. If you're pro-choice, well, get out. We don't like you. You're a rhino. That's a word Donald Trump frequently uses, and a lot of conservatives. It's come long before Trump's perspective. And that's really what we're going to have to wait and see how this all works. Because as I mentioned, I've heard a lot about this. I even heard it back before all this, before the election, um, on my show in the middle on WRSU. I'm now doing a plug, but it has a point, believe me. Um, in the middle, soon to be I'm, on Polar Media as well. <laughs> yes, that was the big announcement. It is coming soon, shortly. We're just getting all the episodes, and I really look forward to it. Um, but the point I was trying to get at here is, I talked to someone who was running in the Republican primary in the 6th District of New Jersey, Sammy Gindy. He was more of a Trumpian type of Republican running against someone who was not as much but still supported Trump. He was more of a moderate, and the moderate ended up winning. But more or less, I talked to Gindy, and a lot of what he was saying is he was hearing online that there's going to be after Trump wins the second term, of course, that he thought he was going to win a second term, that there's going to be a divide and a lot of Trump's supporters are going to be leaving the party. They're going to form a third party called the Trumpkins. And I, I I, found it a little weird. I even said, like, really? This is a thing? He's like, well, I don't know. Not for sure. Maybe. But now I think it's kind of seeing where we're going with that. And we're Republicans. We're going to start to see where this all plays down. And this is going into another segment we're probably going to talk about. But it's something I just saw come through the wire here. Education Secretary Betsy DeVos is resigning. Now, you're probably wondering, well, it's just the Education Secretary. The big deal is she was with Trump all the way. She has been there since day one of this administration. There is not even a thought this woman would ever, 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 ever resign. And that's the same way with Elaine Chow, the Transportation Secretary. But it's for different reasons, because she was she's Mitch McConnell's wife, the Senate Majority Leader. So it would kind of be hard to fire her. Um, without there being major repercussions from McConnell and the establishment Republicans. But DeVos, she was someone Trump liked a lot. She was a big donor in his campaign. She advocated for a lot of the things that he wanted in education, pro-choice, um, taking back some um, student loan forgiveness, getting rid of some of those things, you know, trying to make the department in their mind more efficient and cutting spending also um getting rid of uh federal protections for sexual assault on college campuses these are things that they were working on and she was behind them one way she got some criticism for these things but you know the president stood by her he stood 
by him and it was a magical relationship and now it seems like well the heat's getting too hot and now we're going to a different world and it's gonna we're gonna have to wait and see how these republicans really interact as well as the democrats yeah joey definitely looking forward to seeing that uh one thing troy i don't know if we're uh going off schedule here but i i definitely think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the the latest video that Trump posted. Um, so I don't know if you want to tie that in or if you had anything more to add. Yeah. I just want to, I had a couple takes on that. Go ahead. You want to give us a, a quick recap of what happened? We got a few minutes left here and give us your thoughts on what it means. Yeah, sure. So uh, I think just, you know, a couple hours before we start our, uh, started our recording today, a uh, video came out from Trump. I know he's kind of blocked on a lot of uh, social media. He's not really getting a ton of news coverage. Uh, but I guess this video still came out. I guess he pre-recorded it and, and sent it uh, or something along those lines. But it was basically him saying, him conceding uh, to Joe Biden, him saying, you know, the protests or the riots, that w- that wasn't good and you'll get prosecuted. Like, it really, you know, in my mind, uh, outside of, um, I guess, this claim that the National Guard was uh, used immediately, which I don't, I don't think is true, but... Other than that, it, it really actually seemed like a very well put together, very logical, like reasonable speech, which if if you've been watching a lot of Donald Trump lately, you, you don't usually see that. So in my mind, you know, I think this is him trying to smooth things over a little bit. I think this is him saying, you know what, like it's done. There's nothing more I can do. I'm not going to be president, but. You know, if I want to have some sort of standing, some sort of relationship with the Republican Party or some sort of future in politics down the road after this next presidential, uh, after this next presidency, you know, I'm, I'm guessing he's thinking that I'm going to run. I'm going to get the next bid from the Republican Party or someone in my crowd is going to get that bid. Um, and I think what he's trying to do is just trying to smooth out the water a little bit. He's trying to. He's trying to go back and say, all right, uh, this this went a little bit too far. We're going to try to end this presidency on a high note uh, and try to make it seem like, you know, he's been professional and consummate, you know, the whole time. Whereas uh, just, you know, just so he can just set himself up for the the future that's upcoming. And, And Jacob, I think... You know, one thing is you can always tell when President Trump is reading off a teleprompter because this, the speech styles are always very different. Um, his most recent speech was most certainly written for him. Maybe he wrote it himself. I'd be surprised if he did. But yes, like you said, it, it was trying to put a wrap to the chaos that has unfolded over the last 48 hours now. Um, far too little, far too late at this point. You know, five people have, have died in the past 48 hours from what has happened. Um, at the Capitol building. So yes, may it, it may be something he's trying to smooth over what had happened. Maybe it's for the future, his own future political gains that he has in mind. Um, but his, the first time he's you know admitted that he had lost this election. Interesting note, he never once mentions uh, President-elect Joe Biden's name once in that speech. He just talks about the next incoming office. So yes, he it's the first time he's admitted to this. It, it took since November this is the first time he's admitted that, you know, you know, he still believes that he was cheated out of this. Um, after the actions he took yesterday, his entire support group still believes that, that he was cheated out of this. 
Um, it's going to be interesting to see what unfolds come, you know, Joe Biden's inauguration. Will it be smooth? Will it be completely peaceful? I, I very highly doubt it. I'd be surprised if there was no events that take place that day. But, you know, I think this is going to be something that lasts over the next four years until the next election. This is going to be dismay. Like Jimmy, like Joey, like you said, there's, you know, not it's not very calm right now in the Republican Party um, that may fracture the Republican Party. There may be a lot of voters who go vote elsewhere if Donald Trump gives his, you know, support to another candidate or if he runs himself again. Um, we'll have to see. There's talk about the 25th Amendment being invoked. There's talk about another impeachment taking place um, of what has unfolded yesterday. And I know we didn't really get to talk about that too much, but we don't know too much about what is happening yet. There's strong support from the Democratic side of whether if, if saying he needs to be removed from office immediately using the 25th Amendment. And if that doesn't happen, there's a strong belief that they are going to initiate the impeachment process again. So we'll have to see what unfolds on that. And maybe tomorrow on Can We Just Talk, we can provide another update on that of what is happening. But, you know, guys, just a final takeaway from this. It was very interesting to see, you know, how many people have been completely influenced by the, the past four years of this president to a point where they have such a lack of faith in the democratic process that takes place to a point where they can be told one thing by one man and it is making them willing to commit felonies and federal crimes by storming and destroying the capitol building something that has not happened since the british in the war of 1812. very disturbing to see and we'll have to see how this unfolds and what happens with president trump um, after he was really unable to provide any response to, to stop the protesters from doing this and to possibly even edge them on. So guys, I want to thank you again for coming on to the special edition of Can We Just Talk? We will provide a little bit more of an update tomorrow on our regular <laughs> scheduled programming for Can We Just Talk? Hopefully we'll talk a little bit, a little bit more about some more lighthearted topics and you know discussions and developments. We'll try to throw some good stuff in there, but we'll try to provide an update as well. So guys, thanks so much again for coming on for this uh, special edition. Um, and we're looking forward to getting some more content out there. So. Again, this was Can We Just Talk, Troy D. Savino, Chris Sikonis, Jacob Berg, and Joey Block. Everyone stay safe, um, and we'll be back tomorrow with some more content. Thanks so much.